Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. In the Old Testament, Isaiah gave us a wonderful prophecy concerning the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ that would take place hundreds of years later. Land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people sitting in darkness have seen a great light, and to those sitting in the region and shadow of death, to them light has risen. And so it was that Christ began his earthly ministry, not in the religious capital, Jerusalem, but in the despised region of Galilee. Ed Marks has joined us today as we come to consider the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Welcome back to the program, Ed. Well, Chris, it's good to be back. And, and Chris, those verses you read are actually uh, a quotation from the book of Isaiah in chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, and the Lord's coming into Galilee to begin his ministry was a fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, we're at a new section of the book of Matthew today, Ed, the beginning of his ministry. Maybe you could briefly review for us the first two sections that we've looked at so far. Well, the first section we looked at is in the first two chapters, and what that shows us is Christ as the king of the kingdom of the heavens, and it shows us his genealogy, his antecedents, and his status. And what we saw, Chris, of course, it was really quite marvelous that that whole portion is an abstract of the entire Old Testament. And we see that Christ is actually the center and content of the Old Testament. He's the reality of all the types and shadows there in the Old Testament. But we saw with all those different kinds of people in his genealogy how we can be related to Christ, how we can enjoy Christ, how we can experience Christ, and how we can bring forth Christ. I think we really enjoyed going through all those different persons and their meanings. Then the second section we covered is from chapter 3 through chapter 4, verse 11. This this is the king's anointing. And uh, what we see in this section was that he was recommended by John the Baptist, he was anointed by God, and he was tested by Satan. And thank the Lord, he came out victorious. Only his life can pass the test. And praise the Lord, he lives in us. So now we want to go on to see the third section, which is the beginning of his earthly ministry. And uh, what we're going to look at, particularly in this first section today, Ed, is that the place that his ministry begins and the place from which he came to initiate his ministry 
all are filled with meaning, very pertinent, very relevant to the New Testament revelation. Here's Witness Lee. Now we come to a very important section of this book, that is the section of the king's ministry. After he was anointed, as we have seen, he was tempted. In his being tempted, he was proved that he was qualified. So after this qualification, he began to minister. As a rule, according to a common sense, he should have begun to minister from where? Surely from the holy temple within the holy city. He should start his ministry there. But the report came to him that his foreigner, John the Baptist, was imprisoned. So this became an indication to this new king that he shouldn't begin his kingly ministry from Jerusalem because Jerusalem became the place of a kind of rejection to him. So he went to the north. He went to Galilee. This is quite meaningful. By this we can see under God's sovereignty that uh, the environment did go along with God's economy. God's economy after this time was to have a thorough change, a thorough change from the old economy to the new. And the old economy was with an outward religion, with an outward temple, an outward city, an outward system of worship, everything there was systemized in an outward way. God's economy was going to give that up and to have a new start. Then the environment under God's sovereignty just came along with this because there was no welcome in Jerusalem. Rather, there was altogether a kind of rejection because the foreigner or the recommender of this new king after his ministry was done, he got imprisoned. He was put into prison. So this imprisonment of John the Baptist became an indication to this new king. Don't think we can be that spiritual. We don't need any kind of indication, any kind of implication of the environment. We do need it. We do need it. In the Lord Jesus, as the Son of God, anointed with the Holy Spirit, He was the King of this heavenly kingdom. Even He, as such a one, moved according to the environment. Ed, this is interesting. Verse 12 of chapter 4 says, 
Now when he heard that John was delivered up, he withdrew into Galilee. Of course, we know that John's ministry was taking place in the wilderness of Judea, but this was an indication that the situation in Jerusalem was not that positive. Why is it significant that the Lord was affected by the outward environment and chose to begin his ministry in Galilee and not in Jerusalem? Well, Chris, there are two points that I'd like to stress here. The first point is that the Lord will use environmental indicators to lead us. That means that many times the Lord will, will use our environment to show us what his will is, what he wants us to do, where he wants us to go. And the verse that you read, you, you know, when the Lord heard that John was delivered up, he withdrew into Galilee. Of course, he took the environmental indicators, and by doing that, he went to Galilee. That fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 9, 1 through 2, that he would begin his ministry in Galilee. But, Chris, the thing I, I, that I would really like to stress is this. You know, when John the Baptist came out as his recommender, Actually, that was the beginning of the gospel of God to turn the age from the age of shadows and types to the age of Christ as the reality. And you and I, you know, we did a, we did a broadcast from Galilee. We went to Jerusalem, and you could see the big difference. Jerusalem is just so religious, so many outward religious forms, rituals. But Galilee just seems so pure. The air is very clear there. And, you know, if you look at John the Baptist, he didn't serve in the Holy Temple. He served in the wilderness. He didn't eat the Holy Diet. He ate locusts and wild honey. He didn't wear the fine linen that the priests wore. He wore a garment of camel's hair. And what this all shows us is that the real temple is Christ. Christ is our food. Christ is our abode. And Christ is our clothing. So he's the reality of everything in the Old Testament. This shows that the age had been has been changed. And Chris, this means we need to we need to focus on Christ, pursue Christ, and take him as everything to us. And let's take a look in this next section at just the effect that the Lord had as he begins this ministry, not in Jerusalem, but in Galilee. In the Lord Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. In Isaiah, there is such a word that in Zebulun, in Naphtali, the uh, Galilee of the Gentiles or Galilee of the nations, there will be a great light coming to shine upon the people in darkness, shine upon the people in the region and shadow of death. So he is doing apparently was not following the spirit, but just according to the environment. Yet what he did was a fulfillment of the prophecy. So the king began his ministry as a light. He didn't make a show that he had the authority. He didn't make a show that he had the power. He was walking around the seashore as a common person. But when he came to these four disciples, I do believe he was there like a great light. Otherwise, the word wouldn't say so. The word does say 
that he came there as a great light shining over the darkness and shining upon the shadow of death. You have to believe at that very juncture both Andrew, Peter, and John James, they were all enlightened. There was something there, something attractive. We thought that John the Baptist was a great magnet, but Jesus is a greater magnet. He's the greatest magnet. What he was became the attracting power. What he was became the biggest magnet. What he was attracted people. What he was captured the four disciples. Not what he did. Hallelujah. I like to say this. Anyone that followed the Lord by seeing what the Lord did would not be trustworthy, would not be uh, faithful. But anyone that was called not by what the Lord did, but merely by what the Lord was. And this one is mostly trustworthy. Andrew John, Peter and James, all before were saved and were caught. Not by seeing what the Lord did, just by realizing what the Lord was. They were kept, they were attracted. So they became the faithful followers of Jesus. And this is just tremendous, isn't it, to uh, listen to this description. Uh, the account in Matthew 4 is so marvelous. The Lord appears to these four fishermen in Galilee as a great light. He simply says, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. There's no indication here that he had done any miraculous thing or any great deed that would captivate them. Uh, just his presence was enough, wasn't it? Yes, uh, Chris. And and this is very meaningful that what attracted them was his person, not any miracle, not anything he did for them. And, Chris, I was touched uh, just in listening to uh, to Brother Lee here. You know, in John chapter 2, at the end of the chapter, it says, Many believed in his name, beholding his signs, which he was doing. Then verse, the next verse says, But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them. So the Lord, he didn't entrust himself to people who just believed on him because of signs and wonders. We know that in the last days, the New Testament tells us the Antichrist, the Antichrist, he will do signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the elect. So we need, as believers, we need to focus on the precious person of Christ. You know, Chris, I was thinking of this verse, Revelation 21-2, where it says that eventually we will be prepared as a bride. The New Jerusalem is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. These three words, for her husband. You know, when someone marries when a woman marries a man, she marries him for himself, not for what he can give her. So we need to be the same way. And with the Lord, there was something, you know, the, the wonderful God in his rich attributes was expressed through the Lord to become his aromatic virtues. And there was an aromatic power there with the Lord that attracted people. 
And Chris, you and I can testify the same thing happened to us. And it's happening to us today, I believe. I think we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes, you know, to grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see his preciousness. This is why Paul in Philippians 3, he said, I count all things to be lost on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He also says, I count all things as refuse that I may gain Christ. I think the more we see of the Lord, the more we see that everything in this world is refuse, is dung, is rubbish. We need our eyes opened. And I would say one thing we need to do continually is to tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I love you. I think this is a little secret to us touching the Lord. Even right now, uh, you can tell the Lord. You can say, Lord Jesus, I still love you. We need to tell the Lord we love him throughout the day. And when we do this, we'll sense his sweetness. And we love him for who he is, not for what he does for us. Ed, you know, I think we have to be honest. Uh, even in ourselves, there's a tendency to want to see the exciting things, the miraculous things. But it's it's just that attraction of his person that we have to continually bring ourselves to day by day by day. These four uh, that he attracted here at the very beginning, they stayed with him the whole way. Others did come. Of course, we don't despise the miracles, but uh, the others that followed because of the miracles seemed to fall off when the times got tough. But the ones that were attracted to his very person, there was some stay power. That's exactly right, Chris. And again, our destiny for eternity is to be Christ's wife. As his wife, as his bride, we are in a love affair with him. It's his person that we treasure and that we want. Well, Ed, let's go back to Witness Lee, and then uh, you and I will have a few minutes together. We must see the Lord Jesus didn't start any movement. He didn't start any revolution. He just did a work to attract the disciples to him. Then he spread his ministry by traveling through where the whole Galilee. He traveled through the whole Galilee and he taught in all the synagogues and also he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Also he healed every kind of a disease. Traveling, preaching, teaching, and healing. These were the four things he did. He traveled a lot, he prayed, he taught, and he healed. In today's gospel work, we have to follow this. We have to travel, we have to preach, we have to teach, and we have to heal. This is the very start of the funding of the kingdom of the heavens. The kingdom of the heavens was founded in this way. Absolutely different from the world away. This is not a political movement. And he didn't form a political party. Could you see this? This is the way we have to follow. We shouldn't follow any political way. Firstly, the Lord Jesus came to Galilee of the Gentiles, a despised region, to establish his kingdom. Could you believe not one world leader would do this. Every world leader would go to Jerusalem. 
But this heavenly king, he didn't go there. Rather, he came to a despised region. To be what? To be a great light. To shine over the people. We must follow Jesus' way. The way just to shine upon people. The way just to influence people by what we are. Then we travel, then we pray, then we teach, but then we also heal. Well, Ed, even as the Lord began his ministry, he went to a despised region. And he just did these four things. He traveled, he preached, he taught, and he healed. There was nothing about the way that he took that would indicate that he had any interest in starting a movement or becoming a great religious leader. Um, is there an applicable pattern here for us in our work? Well, Chris, I, I believe there is. And this thing about a movement, you know, we don't want a movement because a person can be moved to join a movement without any personal contact with the Lord. What we want to do in our ministry we want to be one with this person in us to travel, to preach, to teach, and to heal. And with all of these things, preaching, teaching, and healing, we want to minister the very person of Christ into people so that the, these people we minister to will be attracted to Christ, will want to pursue Christ, will fall in love with Christ, and will want Christ to be everything to them. This was the way Paul worked. He said in 2 Corinthians 11:2 that he betrothed the believers to Christ as their unique husband. When you were under Paul's ministry, he engaged you to Christ. He betrothed you to Christ. He caused you to fall in love with Christ. And Chris, I think this, this can be a litmus test for us. If we are under the genuine New Testament ministry, Christ will be ministered into us. We will be shown him in his attractiveness, in his preciousness, and something will rise up in us to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And, you know, thank the Lord under this ministry, I, I can I can testify my love for the Lord has increased to the uttermost. And, again, this is the center of the Bible. The Bible is a divine romance between God as as the husband and his chosen and redeemed people as the bride. And, Chris, I was just thinking of 1 Peter 1.8, where Peter says, Whom having not seen, you love. And actually, the Lord, because we can substantiate the Lord with our spirit when we exercise our spirit, he is so real to us. He is very real, and he is very precious. And this is a pattern to us in our work. And we need to minister Christ in his preciousness to people so that they will be attracted and drawn to him, not to us. Now, I'd just like to mention one more verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. Paul says, we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. Whenever we minister, people should not be attracted to us. They should be attracted to Christ to make him the Lord of their lives and to make him everything to them. I, and I really like that you brought this point up as uh, we were listening to that, that previous section, uh, that such a intimate description there of the Lord appearing to the disciples at the shore of the Galilee. Uh, of course, you and I were both sitting here shaking our head, I think experiencing the same thing. 
inwardly. Our own love for the Lord was being rekindled just by that description. Uh, and surely that must be the case for many of the listeners as well, uh, to see the Lord Jesus presented in such a way. What, what a privilege we have to uh, handle such a ministry, not pointing us to the ministry, but pointing us to the object of the ministry, the very dear, precious Lord Jesus. It's wonderful, isn't it, Ed? Yeah, it is wonderful, Chris. And I, I believe through this radio broadcast, our love for the Lord has increased. Ed, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we invite you to come back as soon as you're able. Yeah, thank, thank you very much, Chris. We invite you back as well as soon as tomorrow as we continue on this life study of the book of Matthew. Please join us then. Before we go, let me quickly point out our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Do try to join us again tomorrow and the rest of this week as we continue on this exploration of one of the great books in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. For Ed Marks today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. We have these recorded studies on every book of the Bible, available to you online, free of charge. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. You can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or add them to your podcast subscriptions, all at no charge. Once more, the website, lsmradio.com. To contact us, send email to radio at lsm.org or call us at one triple eight life study that's 888-543-3788 thanks for listening today